0: attitude about healing is, is that we're waiting for God to show up. So we're not developing our faith to receive. We're basically waiting for some external gift of the Spirit to take place so that we can be healed. And I'm always concerned as a pastor, if that's the best that I'm teaching you to do, then I'm failing you, because there is a higher way to live, and that is that you can learn to believe and live in divine health and you can learn in your life to live where you know how to believe for your healing without finding the pastor or finding the church to pray for you. There's nothing wrong with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and there's nothing wrong with God showing up. But if that's all that we're seeking, then you're relying on men to be the vehicle to bring you your miracle. Mankind. Does that make sense to you? So I think we have to be very careful with that I think because that wasn't Jesus' intent in the first place. Jesus' intent was is that you'd know about healing, you'd receive your healing, and then you'd take that healing to wherever you went. Amen. Now, there are times, thank God, that we have other believers to pray with us, and that's a great thing. I don't have a problem with that at all. We get weak, we get tired, we get weary. But the... The strength of our faith is developed as we develop it on a daily basis, not in a momentary service. I'm all for great services. Amen. I am. I look. Hey, praise the Lord. You know, a couple of weeks ago we had a powerful deal and we were laying hands on people and great things were happening. And testimonies were going out. We had a great services last weekend. People were being touched and ministered to. But if that's the extent of what we're looking forward to and we think that's the best thing to have in our lives, we're really missing the boat because that is not the best because Jesus is an everyday Jesus, not just a Sunday morning. Can you say amen? And so I'm always concerned as a pastor that, look, my job is to feed you with knowledge and understanding, okay? Okay. And it's to give you stuff that you can understand and that you can use and not just use on Sundays, but to use every day of your life. Praise the Lord. And so that's where I spend the majority of my time. Evangelists and apostles and prophets, they'll take you different. Teachers will take you different directions. But I'm going to take you down the road of understanding. That's what I really believe in. I believe that it's important not just for people to know what the Bible says, but know how to apply what the Bible says. Amen and my exhorter gift in my life helps with that as well. Acts Acts 10.38, did you find it yet? So in Acts 10.38, we read how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, this is out of the King James Version, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So there's some things I want you to underline in this verse. If you don't if you don't write in your Bible, get you one you can write in, because I believe in a a marked up Bible. uh, Or get you some paper that you can write on. There's a few things that I want you to see here. It was the anointing, it was the anointing of the Holy Ghost and power that healed the oppressed. Okay? It was the anointing of the Holy Ghost and power that healed the oppressed, not just the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost with power. We all got the Holy Ghost, but that doesn't mean we're operating in power. Okay? So it's the Holy Ghost with power. He went about doing good, and then it says he healed all who were oppressed of the devil. The word healing here means to cure or to make whole. So, what Jesus was doing was he was healing. So, if you underline in your Bible, yeah, I want you to underline the word that healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Sickness and disease come from the devil. All right? Well, I, I say it like that they come from the devil that is using a corrupt world system. To bring sickness and disease, okay. So I'm going to walk you through this just for a little bit here tonight. Before we dig into this, uh, what I wanted to get, what I really want to get into, and I may not get into it till next week. Um, you know that in the beginning there was no sickness or disease in the garden. Do you know why there was no sickness and disease in the garden? Because there was no sin in the garden. When Adam and Eve made a choice to do contrary and be their God to themselves, what they did is is not only did they subject themselves to sin, but they subjected the garden and every attribute of this earth to sin's influence. Basically, what they did is they gave away the authority that they have because authority is given. Okay? You go back to the lessons we were teaching here on authority. Authority comes... If authority is not usurped authority true authority is granted or given comes from a different comes from a higher source. Jesus gave us authority over all sickness and disease over all the power of the enemy, and he got that authority from God the Father you just saw it right there, right how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth so <clears throat> this authority that Jesus operated in and what he dealt with and how he dealt with the sickness, disease, he recognized and understood that all of that was here because of sin. People say today, well, do I get sick because of sin? Yes. But it's not necessarily a sin that you just committed. It's, your faith is not that frail. You know, "Oh, I told a lie, I'm probably going to get the col- a cold now, or I'll get cancer." That's, that's ridiculous, okay? That is not at all what is happening. What has happened is, is that because man, because mankind chose to rebel against God, he brought this earth and put it subject to corruption. Everybody say corruption. I want you to look with me at Romans chapter eight real quick, and uh, I want you to see this. I'm am assuming most of you. I probably shouldn't assume anything, but but I'm assuming most of you know the Garden story and what happened there, and, and they ate from the tree, and, and and what took place in their lives. But what I want you to see here in Romans chapter eight, uh, because people ask why why did I get why is there sickness? Why do we have these problems in the earth today? Why you know and and what the church has done an absolutely horrible. Job of doing is explaining why that there is disease and sickness in the world. What we've done is we've said God did it. God did it, and we even have people that have taught, you know, well, God did it to Job and God did it to Paul with his thorn, and you know, and God did it to Job with his sores, and God did it to, you know, he he said, and I'm gonna, I'll point out a few of these things to you tonight that he told the Israelites if they didn't serve him and do the right thing, he was going to put sickness and disease on them. And so we've developed within the church this idea that God does all of that. Now, let's just take a break right before you look at this. Did Jesus, who is God, ever put sickness and disease on anyone? If that was the character and nature of God, then Jesus would have done the exact same thing. In fact, it tells you in your Bible in John chapter 1, it says very clearly there that no one had ever seen God, but Jesus has come and revealed the Father to us. So what Jesus is doing is he is showing us the Father. See, when you start developing your theology about healing and deliverance and freedom out of, an old, test, out of old Testament, you're going to miss the heart and character and nature of God. Now, we need the Old Testament, but we need to look at it in light of the New, you're under a new covenant, not an old covenant. The old has not gone away, but you've been given a new covenant. And what does Hebrews tell us? It's established on better promises. Boy, I'm preaching good tonight. So Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I want you to look with me at verse, um, and, and, uh, verse 18. And here's what it says. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So Paul says, look, we're dealing with sufferings in the present time. And, and we, could, we all deal with sufferings in the present time. But it is nothing compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And the church, look, the church has believed that for a long time. I mean, we shout, oh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be when we all see Jesus will sing and... Just seeing if you remember some of these songs. Now, he says that is compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestations of the Son of God. For For the creature, and this really should read creation. Okay? And some of you maybe in more current translations have that word. For, the, for creation was made subject to vanity. So when we say that something was made subject to, what does that tell us? It was forced to have to be this way. It didn't have a choice. Creation, see, let's look at it this way. Where did Adam come from? Now, if you say God, you're going to make a mistake here. Came from the dirt, right? Right out of the ground. And Eve did too. She was made out of his side, but she's still from dirt. She was just better looking dirt. Amen. Hey, well, you know, look, I mean, if you read in the Hebrew, the way that it reads is, is that God squeezed Adam together, but he craftily shaped Eve. So he had something in his mind, all right? So... Here you have have Adam and Eve. Adam, they both come out of the dirt. And, you know, we say in the New Testament, it's even written there, from the dust you came and from the dust you shall return, right? Your your body's going back into the dust. Not your spirit, but your body's going back to the dust. Your spirit came from God. It's going back to God. I mean, if if you're a believer. If not, it's going to have to be put in hell. So here you have... Adam and Eve as representations of this earth environment. And what does God tell them? Not only are you from the earth, but I give you authority over the earth from which you're from. So who is the earth subject to? Adam and Eve. So when Adam and Eve taken now they decide to surrender their authority that they have to the devil through deception obviously and rebellion through Adam what ends up happening is the very dust of the earth has subjugated itself to corruption. Why is there cancer in the world today? Because of corruption. And man just continues to corrupt the world even more. I'm, I mean, he just does. I'm not a tree hugger, believe me. I'm, I, you know, I'm not like, you know, preserve everything and, you know, take care. That's not what I'm trying to say. But look, we, you know, have you ever tried to read the package of the food that you bought that was frozen what is red dye c i don't know what that is why does a carrot need red dye c in it right i know a carrot you pull out of the ground it don't have red dye c in it it's just orange but see what happens is is that we you know they've already they, they've said that when your body dies today this dirt when it dies that it actually takes a longer time for it to deteriorate, because you're so full of preservatives. Who needs embalming, right? I mean, heck, I <laughs> would we'll just save on that. I be <laughs> So what happens is, is that we continue to corrupt this environment in the Earth. God gave us all these incredible resources in this earth. He gave us oil, he gave us coal, he gave us all this great stuff. I think God helped man develop nuclear power and all those kinds of things. I think they're all awesome things. But greed, which is in man's heart, which man, through sin, takes those things, and what does he do to them? He corrupts them. He overuses them. He abuses them, and that's because of sin. So you and I live in this earth that's going... Dude, why did you... You guys have done this to the earth. You did this. Don't blame God. Don't blame... I didn't want this to happen. You corrupted this because you chose to rebel against God. So now the system is corrupted. We live in a world that's corrupted. You know, the earth isn't even spinning on its axis as God created it. It's it's not even what it was. The earth is... You know, we will... We will do everything in our power as sinful man. I'm not talking about you and I because we're believers, praise God. But as sinful man, we will do everything in our power to throw this earth into total chaos. We will. All the stuff that happens, all the abuses that happen on the earth, all those things. And, you know, you get into like it was just a couple of years ago that one major earthquake that caused the big tidal waves and the tsunami that happened, that the earth actually shifted on its axis. And scientists actually believe that when the earth was first formed, it moved on a straight axis. Now it's on a tilted axis because of the flood and because of the way that things have happened on the earth. And it's just going to keep slipping and sliding eventually. And then the Bible tells you that it will all be destroyed with fire. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and that's where we'll be. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? You say, well, Pastor, well, I, I, okay, so what does all that have to do with me? It has everything because that's the environment that you live in. Right? right. Now, my personal feeling is, is you should do everything you can to fight the environment you're in. You should take care of yourself. Right. Amen. You should eat right. You should exercise daily. I know I talk a lot about this, but I absolutely believe it. You should retrain yourself. You, should, I'll, I'll really dig here. Get off sugar completely. Get out of it. You know, you can eat as much. I, here's the thing maybe you don't know about this. You can eat as much fat as you want in your diet as long as you don't eat sugar with it. Your body will metabolize fat, but when you start throwing sugar, it's going to get plugged into your arteries, and then when it does, it's going to jag the inside of your arteries up, and then that fat's going to start getting stuck, and then the next thing you know, you're going to have to have a bypass. So I love donuts, but that's a heart attack waiting to happen. Well, I better get my other sermon out. Look, I'm talking from experience. You know, the best thing I can do for you as your pastor is keep you out of the hospital. I'm going to do every. I mean, I don't mind going and visiting people in the hospital and praying with people. But man, as your pastor, the number one thing I want to do is keep you out of the hospital because it costs so much. You know, that it, it takes so much away from you. And it's an environment, thank God for the nurses. I love the, you know, their, their caregivers and thank God we have them. My Lord, you know the doctors and you know, the stuff that's available to us. But here's the thing, which is better, not having to go or having to go? Not have surgery or have surgery? I, I personally, I don't want the downtime. I'd rather spend that by a beach somewhere than in a bed. Can you say Amen? Amen. I got to get one good Amen here tonight, and I know we got some nurses here and stuff. And I'm not picking at any of that. I'm just, you know, this idea. If I can help people to say, "Well, this is what the Word says, and this is what I can believe," then we learn to fight against this oppression that the devil tries to bring against God's people. The the devil wants the church sick, because if you're sick, you're weak. No, if you're sick, you are weak. I want you to go to, to, uh, did I have you look at this Romans passage? Yeah, let's finish it up. Okay, I better make sure I finish it. Sorry. For the creature was made subject to vanity or emptiness, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. So what he's saying here, and I wanted to read this to you out of the um, this is out of the expanded translation, it makes it a little bit easier to understand it. Verse nineteen everything God made, the creation, is waiting with excitement, eager expectation for God to show his children's glory completely, the revelation of the children, sons of God. Everything, verse twenty, God made for his creation was changed to become useless subjected to futility and meaningless, not by its own wish. And then it goes on here, and I'm not real sure why that the translators feel they have to do this, but because God once wanted to subject it and because all along there was hope, yet with the hope. See, the thing is, is that it wasn't God that made the earth this way. God did give Adam the authority, but it was Adam that made the earth this way. You know, we can get into some kind of sovereignty of God thing and say, well, you know, God is in control and he's making all this happen. And, you know, Ebola and all this other stuff and it's God's will and whatever that God's creating diseases. And, you know, of course, the church, whenever um, the, uh, the prostitutes and the homosexuals were getting AIDS and were saying that's God's judgment, I, that's baloney. Okay, that's all nonsense. So we don't believe that. That is not even biblical to to follow that kind of ideology. What is true is is that mankind's sin has introduced all evil into this world. It was not here before. It had no power before. Adam didn't get a head cold in the garden. Amen. Eve didn't get migraines. Amen. Amen. So all of that falls under something different. All of that falls under post-rebellion against God. And from that point on, everything became corrupt in the earth. But God, because he's rich in mercy and grace, he gives us hope. And the hope is, is that through the law, he shows us that we can avert the curse that's in the world. Through the law, this is what he showed in the Old Testament. We can avert the curse that's in the world. Deuteronomy 28, he goes through this whole dialogue with the children of Israel, and he says, look, you know, I will bless you coming in, bless you going out. I'll keep all this, you know, away from you. None of this will happen. But he says, look, if you turn against my will and my word, he says, then all these curses will come upon you, and, and then you get into where the church really gets this messed up because it says that I will put upon you. In fact, I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus 15 and verse 26. And I want to teach you something. Maybe you've heard this before from me, but uh, some of you that have been to Bible college, I'm sure that you've heard this. You've heard me talk about it or one of your professors. But in Exodus 15, God's giving this dialogue to the Israelites as they're coming out of Egypt. And he says to them in uh, verse 26, if you would, Uh, He says, and he said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, then he says, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. Okay? So what we developed in in the church was this thought that God is putting diseases on us if we don't do right. But he's the Lord that heals us. Okay? I got into a huge argument with my mother-in-law one time about this because, you know, this was back, you know, when I first started kind of being a pastor to her and and she was like she was dealing with asthma and she's like, "Well, God gave me this asthma." And I says, "Well, how could God give it to you?" She's, he, first of all, God doesn't have asthma to give because he doesn't create asthma for people, okay? So where did he come up with it at? She was like, well, I don't know, but he's the one that gave it to me because I have it. Yeah. I says, well, look, do you believe that God is the healer of asthma and that can, he can heal, that he's healed? You've heard other people healed of asthma, right? And she says, oh, yeah, I've heard of other people healed of asthma. I said, so let me ask you a question. Is God double-minded Is he just going on a case by case situation and going, uh, "You keep your asthma, I'll heal your asthma. You keep your asthma, I'll heal your. You keep your cancer, I'll heal your cancer. You you keep that brain tumor, I'll heal your brain tumor." Doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, it just seems to me like you know it'd be like me being a dad saying, "Son, come here. I'm going to poke your eye out, but I want to give you a big hug afterwards." Tell you how much I love you, right? I'm going to restore your sister's eyes, but I'm going to poke your eyes out, blind you. See, that's that's so double-minded. It doesn't even make. And in our natural thinking, it, it totally doesn't make sense. I mean, it's just so you know. Because of that, and because of passages like this, we get way out there thinking that well, God's giving sickness and disease because of sin. Because I didn't, you know, look at all of. I mean. You, you you see what all he said? You diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes. Look, you're going to be walking a pretty fine line if you got to do all that. And if you stray just a little bit. He didn't even leave you any like latitude like, you know, you got some wiggle room here so I'll give you a break if you blow it, but I just want you to know. No, he just said, look, if you do this, and then it goes on and it says, and then he says, look, if any of that happens, he says, if, if you follow my ways, I will put none of these diseases upon you. And here's the problem that we deal with, especially, remember, all of this is translation. I mean, this Bible was not, this Bible that you're reading was translated out of Latin, which was translated out of Hebrew, that was then Guys got together and then started looking at the Hebrew and the Latin, the Vulgate and all the other stuff, and started going through that. And so they're trying to sort out what somebody wrote thousands of years ago in a language that is not used completely today, okay? Dr. Robert Young, who was a great Hebrew and Greek scholar, uh, the best, greatest of all time, is uh, according to most scholarship, he said that the difficulty that we have is, is that in the hebrew a word that's a word a verb can be causative and can be permissive okay can be causative or permissive to say so it can go either way and you don't know which it is all right are you with me right now so when we say he says i will put none of these diseases to say I will put means it's causative. I will put. I will cause this to happen, right? But what if it's permissive? What if permissive says I will permit none of these diseases? All right? so it changes everything just by thinking and, and 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 you say well pastor how do we know if it's causative or if it's permissive how do we know if god would if it's i would permit or if it well here's how you know the new testament right. Right. that's how you know that's how you know that's the only way you can know because see to because the bible tells you that when we look in the old we're looking at something that is veiled and something that is types and shadows. Types and shadows are not complete image. So when we're looking and we have to look at the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. If we want to see God, we have to see Jesus first. Then we see God in the Old Testament. So did Jesus ever put any disease on anybody? And let me ask you a question. Were there people around him that deserved to have diseases on them? Oh, you better believe there were people. A woman caught in adultery deserved to die right there on the spot because of what was happening. But Jesus did not put death upon her and stayed what death could do to her because his heart and his nature is life, not death. But here's the real powerful thing about God. Am I going too deep in this? Here's the, I can't tell. Uh, here's the th- incredible, because this just blows my mind. You gra- if you can grab this, you will undo thousands of years of bad teaching in the church. Thousands of it. See, that's why we get into trouble, because even in our Pentecostal faith, because we think, well, if we can get God to show up, then, see, now what we're saying is, this isn't anything to do with me, this is all to do with him. So I need a gift of the Spirit. Somebody give me a word. Somebody, you know, have a word of knowledge or, you know, a miracle gift or a healing gift or something. you know. But I need something because what you're saying is, I can't do anything about this myself. I need somebody else. I need God to make somebody else do it so I can receive it. And that is so false and that is so against what Jesus did. Because what Jesus did is he said, look... I will come and bear your sickness and your disease. I'll do this. I'll take what, look, all the things that you can't do, I'll take care of it by taking the punishment for all of it. Or as Brother Copeland said, and I thought this was really, I thought this was really interesting when he said it. I'm sure it shocked a few people. The only one that God ever allowed to be sick or diseased was Jesus. That he specifically said, no, it's on you, son you got to take it. You take their sickness, you take their disease, you take the curse, you take it. And he's the only one that God said, no, you will take this. You said you'd do this, you take the sickness and disease. Well, pastor, what about my cross to bear? Your cross to bear is for you to stop being nonsensical and to live right and do right for God, amen, but not live in fear that you're going to get beat to death with cancer or disease every time you do wrong. And, you know, if you're like me and you brought up in a more holiness tradition, man, it's hard to break from this. It's hard to break from it. And, and 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 so what happens is, and especially it's hard to break from it because it's so entrenched in us, we don't typ- typically do it to ourselves, but we do it to other people. Right. Like we think, they must have done something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. they're going through a bad time right now. They must have done something. Yeah. Yeah. Look. If you got punished for all the things that you've done, you wouldn't be able to sit in that chair, I promise you. (laughs) No, what happens is, is that God says, I will not permit any of these diseases. I will not permit them. So whenever you read anything, you know, like it says that You know that Job, like when you talk about Job and that it says there that Satan asked for permission. He asked for permission. But see, you got to look at Job's life. I mean, I don't have time to get into all that tonight, but you got to look at Job's life. That Job was already incredibly in fear about losing everything. And the devil uses fear in, in our lives. I mean... You know, fear is not faith. So, I mean, he believed in God, he loved God, but he was petrified that his kids were going to sin and that they were going to all die and he was going to lose everything. And then he said, whenever it all happened, guess what? The thing that I was afraid of, well, here it is. It's all happening. And so we, you know, we say, well, shame, shame on Joe, but don't let me hear you say, well, I was afraid that was going to happen because we're no different then. We're letting our fear rule that circumstance. I will permit none of these things to come upon you. Look at Luke 13. Thank you, Jim. Luke 13. I'll stop. I'll have to stop for tonight. Eh. <laughs> no, I promise. I'm going to. Now I'm really going to. Luke 13. All right. Verse 10. And so he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. And if you write in your Bible, take that word infirmity, circle it, and you can write this down. The word infirmity here means to be feeble of mind or feeble of body to have weakness disease or sickness okay so this woman had a spirit of sickness on her and all of us know that when you're sick what are you you're weak right you're weak you're not at, you're you're not where you would normally be you know if you even if it's just a cold right a head cold look you, you're you know you you just are not your normal self right? So you, you don't feel good, you don't feel right, things are not, you know, you're doing your best, you're maintaining, but you're not up to your complete high performance level in your life. So this woman had this spirit on her and she had it for 18 years. Now what Jesus is wanting us to see here is, is that this spirit of sickness is the influence of, it's satanic. It's not, it's not God, I mean, if it was God, he would have said it was God that this woman that this woman which has a spirit from God of sickness, he would have said that he said, no, it's a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together and could nowise lift up herself and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity, you know and she Didn't even ask for this. Did she say, heal me? No, man. He just looked at her and said, woman, (laughs) you are loosed from this infirmity, from this spiritual infirmity on your life. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. People say, well, you know, if you're sick, then it glorifies God. Well, I only see people that got healed giving glory to God. I don't see anybody in the Bible got sick and gave glory to God. That's good preaching, Pastor. So the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work, and those therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. And Jesus answered, I'm sure he thought that was a real spiritual thing to say, and because um, it's the law, and the Lord answered, God answered him and said, you're a hypocrite. Does not each one of you in the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead them away to watering? Now watch verse 16. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom, what's the next word? Whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, this spirit of infirmity of 18 years, this spirit of sickness for 18 years is from the devil on this woman's life. And should she not be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed and the people rejoiced, notice again, for all the glorious things that were done by him. So here's, here's, here's just a couple of thoughts with this. What Jesus did was is that he counteracted the authority that that spirit had over this woman's body by laying his hands upon her and telling her, speaking the word over her and saying, woman, you are loosed. Now, oh gosh, I was going to stop, but you're right. I want you to see this just before we go tonight, because I want you to just see how powerful this is. Look at John 11. John 11. Um, oh, it's not even 830, guys. Come on. Ice cream place stays open. Oh, you're not going to go get ice cream. Okay. All right. Can't eat sugar. John 11. John 11, verse 1. Now, you know this story. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha, and it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Okay? He was weak because of this sickness. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that that, when Jesus heard that, when they said he is sick, look at what Jesus said. This sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. If you write in your Bible, I just want you to underline that first line. When Jesus heard that, he said, underline this, this sickness is not unto death. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and when he had heard these, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And after that, uh, he said, saith his disciples, let us go up to Judea again, and they get ready to go. And then in verse 11, it says, these things said he, and after that he said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Okay? That I may, you can underline that, awake him out of sleep. And his disciples said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he's doing good. How be it, Jesus spoke, of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. And then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, I thought he just told us he isn't going to die. Right? Right? I am glad for your sakes I was not there. Why was he glad? I mean, for crying out loud, the guy died. His sisters are mourning now. I am glad for your sakes I was not there to the intent that you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. So, now in all of this, Jesus is saying, there's something you should have believed that you guys don't believe. And we know where faith comes, belief comes from. Belief comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What was the word of God that Jesus spoke? Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. Death is not going to win over this. And when God says this sickness isn't going to win, then this sickness is not going to win. Okay? He dies. They go down. Lots of stuff happens. You know, it gets a little bit, I mean, it gets crazy. Mary and Martha, I don't want to get into all of that. But I want you to go to, um, I want you to turn with me to verse 40. Because he's talking to, um, uh, go to 39, excuse me. So Jesus said, take away the stone. Because you know he's in this cave. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, well, Lord, by this time he stinks because he's been dead for four days, right? And Jesus said to her, he said, (laughs) said I not unto you? Didn't I tell you? Look, this is him. Pay attention, woman. Did I not tell you that if you would believe, and you can't believe unless you were told something, right, 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 right. that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God, and they took away the stone from the place where he was dead where the dead was laid and jesus lifted up his eyes and said and here's what this is key right here this is total key you got to underline this whole part that he said if it's in the red in your bible he said father thank you that you have heard me and i want you to notice that he didn't say thank you that you hear me thank you that you heard me because see this is what the father heard this sickness is not unto death. This sickness is not unto death. He said that four days ago. He didn't say it. He said it, he, and when he got there, they said he's dead. And he says, "I'm the resurrection and the life." And 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 he said, "If you will believe, he'll he'll rise up." And he said, "Believe what I'm telling you, because four days ago he settled it in his heart at that moment that I am the I'm going to look. He is not going to stay dead. He's not going to die. He's going to live and not die." You say, "But yeah, but he died." Well, it doesn't matter that he died because he ended up living because. Four days earlier, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. Death is is not the end of this. Now, he's the only one that got it. Right? He's the only one that knew what he was doing. Because all the disciples are like, oh, he's dead. I don't know what we're doing here. He's dead. Take the stone away. Oh, my gosh, he, his sister's like, he stinks. He's been dead four days. I mean, come on. It's too late. We can't do anything about this. I mean, nobody's ever raised anybody that's been dead four days. Come on. You can't. I mean, I know you did something with the widow at Nain, but her son just died that day. This is four days later. But, but does four days matter? Hmm. Well, it obviously did to the disciples. It did four days matter? It obviously did to Mary and Martha. But I'll tell you who it didn't matter to. It didn't matter to Jesus because he had said four days earlier, this sickness is not. And he says, Father, I thank you that you heard what I said four days ago. And now we'll just go ahead and carry that out here at the tomb. So Lazarus, Lazarus had no choice at this moment. Because four days earlier, it had already been declared. By Remember we started this year in the book of Job where it says, decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. See, here's what happens. Things start going wrong. We started decreeing stuff at the beginning of the year, and then things get a little squirrely, and you know, they're cutting back, and I don't have the money, and I can't do this, and this, and this, and, this. and then the next thing, you're changing your decree. But I will tell you today that Jesus never changed what he said from day four to day three to day two to day one. And, in fact, he told them all, I'm glad I wasn't there so that I can show you guys and get you to believe that this actually works. You say, well, well, Pastor, that's totally awesome. Well, okay, so let's apply that to your life. He was wounded for your transgressions; he was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon him, and by his stripes you are healed. First Peter two twenty four. And by his stripes you see, he already we're like, oh Lord, is it your will to heal? And he's saying, dude, you were healed. Were is just like heard. Thank you, Father, that you heard me. You were healed. Well, I don't feel healed. What do you think, Lazarus felt? Healed while he was laying in the tomb. But the word will prevail. The word will, it will prevail. Hallelujah. So see, when sickness and disease show up, you got to, first of all, you got to get this. I mean, just a couple of quick thoughts with this. One, this is, this is the devil. I don't care. I don't care if it's a runny nose. Get a, a sty on your eye. Oh, I always get styes this time of year. Well, stop saying that nonsense and tell that stupid sty to get off your eye. Well, I get canker sores. Carrie used to get canker sores all the time, didn't she, Chuck? And then she came up one time and God healed her miraculously. And she, I don't think she's had them ever since from what I've heard. I mean, she had them all the time, painful ones in her mouth. See, what you and I, we have to accept is, is that we're like, Oh, God, send the power, Lord. Send your healing, Lord. Let rise with healings in your, you know, healing in your wings. All Old Testament passages that we're quoting. I mean, we're we're not quoting anything new, because the New says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And in the New, it says that Mm -hmm. the centurion just say the word, Lord. What did you say? Just say the word, Lord, and my servant will be whole. And Jesus says, Man, now that. That guy has faith. He believes something. So when you, you, know, when you get you, you know an earache or I don't care what it is, and a lot of times what happens with us as believers is we don't nip it in the bud. i give you a Barney Fife quote. We don't nip it in the bud when it first starts. We're like, oh, it must be, it must be something going around or what, it must be hay, f- you know, hay fever. Stop it! Get out of my body. You will not, spirit of infirmity, you have no place in my home. Get over your kids, man, and lay your hands on them and say, spirit of infirmity, you will not dwell on this, on my children. You will not be in my grandkids. You will not be in my children. You'll not be in my wife. You're not going to be in my body. You're not welcome. I'm going to do everything that I can to fight against you. Okay? Okay? everything. And look, sometimes if that means going to the doctor, then I'm going to the doctor. I don't have a problem with that. The doctor is not my enemy. He's my friend. Medication is not my enemy. It is not my problem. My problem is the spirit of infirmity. Sometimes I just got to get better so that I can get back to where I'm strong enough to fight against that stinking spirit of infirmity that's because it's in the world and it's everywhere. But you're not of this world. Amen? You're not of this world. You've been bought with a price. Every single day I say, God, you have redeemed me from the curse. I'm off. The curse has no place. It's out of my finances, off of my kids. It's out of my wife. It's not over my marriage. It's not in my home. It's not in my health. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm done. Stand, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You want to receive an offering, is that what you want? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Now we're I have like I said I've I had a dream, not not I've had actually three dreams about healing. I shared one one of them with you here just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't think I ever shared the first one and I have not shared uh, the one that I just recently had and um And part of this was spurred by that, actually. And uh, I don't believe you're led by dreams, okay? I believe that dreams are like prophecy. They, you know, can guide, but also sometimes they can be pizza. I don't eat pizza, but, I mean, it can be pizza. It can be, you know, something, kale. Okay, so <laughs> kale looks like it could give you a bad idea, right? So <laughs> it's, it looks like it's, it's just a mean vegetable, right? It's just waiting to give you some, anyways. But I, had a, I, I just recently had another dream and I saw this. and So I want to get into that next week because just the power of just moving the needle just a little bit in our faith, in healing, just moving it a little bit, man, and what can happen. I want you to bow your heads with me tonight if you would. You know, I, I respect that there are folks here that you need healing in your body, that, uh, you know, I get that, and um, that doesn't make you stop in the name of Jesus, stop thinking that makes you any less than anybody else in this room. That is a lie. The devil is using that to put that spirit, to keep that spirit in your life. Secondly, that you somehow deserve it. You know, you can spend all your life trying to repair everything you've done and you'll never fix it. That's why Jesus paid for it. So it's done, it's paid for. I give you a good word tonight. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. He sent his word and he healed us and delivered us from all of our destruction. Psalm 107 tells us. Yeah, 107. So, I just want you just to take a moment before the Lord. And what you've heard here tonight, just think of how you want to talk to God right now about your circumstance, your physical circumstance that you're dealing with right now. You know, if he heard Jesus four days before the miracle happened, he's hearing you four days and days and days before the miracle ever happens. And don't ever think he doesn't hear. Because his arm is not short at all. Father, I pray tonight for those who respond in faith to your word. The gospel story is such a simple story. You, Lord God, were born of a virgin. So beautiful that you are deity, son of God. You lived a sinless life and perfectly fulfilled the will of God in your life. There was no acceptable, there was no good, there was only perfect. Everything you did was perfect. You never sinned, you never failed, you never fell short. But then you died a horrible death. My sin was paid for by your blood my disease that I deserve, you bore the stripe for that. You bore the stripe for arthritis. You bore the stripe for Parkinson's. You bore the stripe for cancer. You bore the stripe in your body for tumors. You bore that stripe for the cold, for the flu. You bore that. That's mine. That was mine. All that was mine. Every bit of it was mine. And you bore it. You bore the stripe of high blood pressure and diabetes. You bore that stripe in your body. There's no doubt about it. Now, Lord, I thank you that you did what I couldn't do for myself. You bore my punishment. And it pleased the Father that you bore my punishment. It blows my mind what great love he has for us. So, Lord... I declare today, according to your word, that my sickness and disease that I once bore and deserved is now paid for. That the curse is broken. The curse is broken. The sins of my father have been broken. There is a bloodline drawn in my life through the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not be my father, nor will I be my mother, I will be the man or the woman of God that you have called me to be. I will not be bound with things that uh, I once was bound by. I am free. I'm not bound by the spirit of infirmity. I'm not bound by sickness. I'm not bound by hay fever. I'm not going to be bound by all this junk that's out in this world. Lord, I declare today, Christ has redeemed me. From the curse. No curse has a right in this soil of my body any longer. This is free soil. This is (laughs) purchased soil. This dirt has been paid for. So, devil, you have no right to it. I might walk on an earth that isn't completely paid for, but I'm going to tell you what this dirt is paid for. (laughs) Say that out loud. This dirt is paid for. Amen. Now, Lord, I thank you that healing is the children's bread. And, Lord God, as we go from this place tonight, we reflect upon the goodness of the Lord, the healing ability of the Lord. And I declare over every believer here that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, because not only did you die a horrible death, you rose from the dead three days later, such a simple story. And now declare to us the same spirit that brought life to a dead body three days later is in us. And according to Romans 8, we'll make alive, make alive our mortal bodies. And I thank you for that. Life. Life. I don't know who this is for.